this is the world I want to go into. Not the one, I, the one behind, pff, let it crash. Are you ready to be the change you want to see in the world? Are you ready to make choices that have a positive impact on your daily life, your community, and the planet? You are in the right place. I'm Anne Therese Gennari. And I'm Robin Shaw. And this is the Hate Change Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Four Days. They are a GOT certified organic, 100% recyclable, closed loop clothing brand that I personally wear almost every day. With each purchase comes a swap credit, so you can swap a hoodie for pants or swap a tank for a dress. The Four Days items you send back gets turned into new materials like fiber and yarn, which saves on tons of water, prevents CO2 emissions, and keep usable materials out of landfills. You can swap at any time for any reason in any condition and use your swap credits towards something new. 100% of their packaging is made from recycled and renewable materials, and 100% of four days transportation is offset by carbon credits. They even offer a take-back bag so you can get swap credits while you clear out the crap in your closet. Hey Change podcast listeners get 15% off with code HeyChange15. That's 15% off with code HeyChange15. This is closed loop fashion for today, for tomorrow, for days. Hey guys, welcome back to this wonderful conversation we're having with Dr. Bruce Lipton. In part one, we learned the definition of epigenetics and the science behind how we are creating our own realities at all time consciously or subconsciously. In the second part, we'll dive even deeper and gain an understanding for how to decode our subconscious programming, and maybe most importantly, how we can be part of co-creating a new kind of world. If possible, part two is even more mind-blowing than the first one, and we know you've been waiting for it, so let's not wait any longer. This is stem cell biologist and internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirits. Dr. Bruce Lipton. So just to come back to like the optimism part. So if you're someone who like really wants to start creating positive change in the world, you want to believe in a positive future, you want to feel that way every single day, you want to feel like there's hope and there's a reason why we're doing all this incredibly important work. Like, can you give some concrete examples of like, how should someone like that act? And that is someone like me. Like, how should we think about when we wake up in the morning? Like, do I think, <laughs> do I not think? Like, how do I enter the honeymoon phase? Am I being realistic? Like, how should we live our lives? And to, and to build on that, like, is it about, if, if, if it's okay just to build on that, like, is it about reprogramming or putting more attention into the conscious? Like, is it about being conscious more often or reprogramming? <laughs> they both work exactly the same. The only problem is being conscious more also means there's a point where you won't be conscious and all of a sudden you'll automatically revert back to the program. So I can stay in consciousness. Very difficult in this world. Try to keep your mind present because we're always thinking. Or I could change the program because if I change the program, it's not thinking anymore. It's just automatic. And, and I love it because the only work you have to do is put the change in. Once the change is in, 
the subconscious has been running your life anyway. But if you put the things in the subconscious that you have wishes for in the conscious and you take those wishes and desires, make those programs, life is so easy. You wouldn't believe it. Why? Because 95% of the day you'd be living those supportive, healthy, loving programs without even thinking about it. Matter of fact, you could think all the way through and still end up being the most successful, happy person. Why? As long as the behavior is coming out that conforms to that program and you put in a program of love and health and happiness and joy and wealth and all those programs, then you don't even have to think about it again. That's the coolest part. It's not like, okay, every day from now on for the rest of your life, you have to put a lot of effort in. I go, no. Once the program's in, you're not putting effort into the program right now. You're not putting any, you don't even know you had the program right now. How do you do the reprogramming? Oh, that's the biggest question of all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's where the problem comes from. There is a tendency to believe that the mind is one thing. So that if the mind catches on to just what we said, the, the mind could go, oh, wow cool. Let's just change our life right now. We got a whole new idea. This, uh, I read the self-help book. This is exactly how we, I love that. I read the self-help book. Did your life change? No, but you're smart. Yeah. Because you can tell me what was in that self-help book, but your life didn't change. I go, why? And that's where the schism occurs. The conscious mind being creative can learn in any number of ways. Read the book, go to a lecture, watch a podcast, even, ah, I just changed my mind. Okay. But the subconscious mind is not a creative mind. The subconscious mind is a habit mind. I go, why is it relevant? If habits change randomly, they're not habits anymore. Then thank God we got that mind. I say, why? I say, well, when did you young women learn how to walk? Before you were two? Are you still walking? (laughs) So, and you can live to my age and older and still be walking. From what? The program I got at two. Why? A habit doesn't want to change. So when I learned the habit of walking, I don't have to change. I don't have to worry. It's not one day I wake up and forget how to walk. I got a program. Okay. So the habit mind resists change. Now that's a problem. I want to change it. Its character is resist change. Now that's where the problem comes from. Also, I love it because a lot of people say, well, I give myself a good talking to. I keep talking to them. I say, who are you talking to? I'm talking to my subconscious. I go, (laughs) hey, guess what? There's nobody in there. Subconscious (laughs) is a hard drive like in a computer. You can talk to a computer all you want. It's not going to change the hard drive. I say, oh, you have to do a push the right button, the record button. Now I can change the program. I go, ah, the difference between conscious, which can just create, And subconscious, which is habit, is that if I want to put a new habit, I have to create it. But to create it, I have to push the record button. And if I don't push the record button, I can talk about that damn habit all I want. It will never go into the subconscious. It resists change. So I say, well, then how? Oh, that's Robin's question. How can I change that? I just got to your question, Robin. took me a while. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And here's how you change it. I said, well, how did you put a program in? Because if you understand how you put a program in, you use the same technique to put another program in to replace a program. That's what we do. You can't ignore a program. Okay, I'm not going to bother with that anymore. And I go, that, that's your conscious mind making a decision. 
Yeah, but you only live from 5% of that. 95% of that program is still in there and it's still going to make a response whether you say I'm not going to pay any attention or not. So you can't say I'm ignoring something. Why? Automatically, you're, 95% of the day, you will respond to it. So basically, you actually have to rewrite a program so the same stimulus gives you a different outcome than the one you're following right now. So reprogramming is the key. I said, well, how do you program? I go, how did you get the program in the first place? I go, oh, hypnosis. My mind was in theta. And whatever I saw, downloaded like a video recorder, boom, program. So if I get in a theta, I can do a reprogram. I go, yeah, hypnosis. I go, oh, do you need to go see a hypnotherapist? I go, no. I said, what do you mean? I say, the vibrations of the brain start out at sleep. The lowest vibration is sleep, delta. Then a higher vibration is theta. But the next higher vibration is alpha, and that's consciousness. And then at work, it's even higher. It's called beta. I go, so why is it relevant? So, okay, I'm at work. My consciousness vibration is real high, beta, very focused consciousness. I come home. I relax. Calm consciousness. The vibration smooths down to alpha, the slower one. I'm laying on bed, my head's on the pillow, and all of a sudden my eyes close, goom, I'm gone. Alpha is shut off. I'm not conscious now. I go, yeah, but what happens when alpha shuts off? The next lower vibration is called theta. And then at some point that changes into sleep. So I go, oh, so every night when you go to sleep, the moment after your alpha disconnects, your brain is operating in theta, which is what? Hypnosis. So I say, ah, put earphones on at night with a program of what you want. Health, happiness, wealth, love, good job. I don't care whatever the program is. You put on the earphones and as your eyes shut down, I just went to sleep and the program is playing. You did not even hear the program. You're sleeping. But theta subconscious is operating. So every night you just play the program and guess what? Unconsciously, subconsciously, theta, you will download that program and it'll become part of your life. Okay, so that's number one, self-hypnosis. Number two, you still learn things after seven that became habits, playing a music instrument, riding a bike, driving a car, a job that you do, whatever you learned. I go, well, what does learning mean? Repetition, practice, habit. That's what a habit is, repetition. So I say, oh, well, you want to change the program, then guess what? You have to behave in a whole different practice. It's not a sticky note. That's a suggestion. I put it on the refrigerator. Oh, yeah, be smart. Yeah, right. I got to go to work. That, that's not a habit. A habit is an exercise. You have to repeat something. Uh, new agey talk, which I always laugh at because it sounds funny, but it's true, is fake it till you make it, meaning... <laughs> I'm not a happy person and I want to be a happy person in the miserable life that I have every day. I want to be happy. So guess what I say? Every moment that I can be conscious for a moment, I go, I am happy. I am in the middle of unhappiness. You're still saying to yourself, I am happy. I am happy. I say, why? Repetition. Repeat that all day long. And after a period of time of repetition, guess what? You wake up one day and you're automatically happy. Why? The program is in. Once the program is in, you don't even have to say I'm happy. You are automatically happy now. Okay. So phase one, self-hypnosis. Phase two, 
repetition, engaging in a practice, or at least repeating over and over and over again, because habit is over and over again. And then lastly, number three, which is the most exciting one, it's called energy psychology. It's a different version of psychology and engages something called super learning. Super learning? I go, yeah, maybe you've seen somebody read a book, they open up the page and they move their finger down, just like that, just down the page, just as fast as that. And I say, what happened? I said, they read every word on the page. They read every word on a page. They could sit in a bookstore for 10 minutes and turn the page, turn the page, turn the page and read the entire book in 10 minutes, okay? I go, but if you can use that process of super learning, you can use it to reprogram, then you can change a belief that has held you back your entire life in minutes. It is amazing. And on my website, which is very simple, Bruce lipton.com. There are about 20, 25 different energy psychology modalities listed under belief change. And just they all engage, there are different ways of getting there, but they all end up with the same result. You can reprogram your mind in matters of minutes instead of days. And, and I say, what's the beautiful part? Once the program is in, the work is over, job is done. Why? It's not what's automatic. It's going to play for you 95% of the day anyway. So, but those are the three ways that the subconscious mind can learn. Hypnosis, repetition, and the new version called energy psychology. Any program you have, you can rewrite. You can change your life just, just as fast as you fell in love. You can change it that, that fast. And I go, why is it relevant? Well, I'll take my personal case right here in front of you. I was the absolute worst at relationships that anybody could imagine. Why? Because if you had my parents and you followed their behavior, you wouldn't have a relationship either. <laughs> my parents were not great teachers of relationships. So I had some real bad programming. Once I understood the nature of this, once I understood the ability to how to reprogram this, I have a radically, I have two different lives now. Why? I've been in a honeymoon for 22 years. What does that mean? It wasn't like, oh, it was the beautiful first few weeks of our relationship. It's 22 years of waking up every day going, wow, I'm still here. I'm still in love. My life is beautiful. And, uh, and so for a guy who couldn't get a relationship, I even wrote a book called The Honeymoon Effect, <laughs> which is the story about this, okay? Because the reality is if I can do that, Anybody can do this. Anybody can change. Uh, and people need to know this because all they've been programmed to believe is they're just victims of a world out of control and that they have to live with it and, and be hurt by it uh, and get sick by it. When I say, no, that was a choice, but it was an unknown choice because nobody told you. Knowledge is power. That's a fact. Look at it this way. A lack of knowledge is a lack of power. We've all been disempowered because we haven't been given the knowledge of this nature of this programming, how it unfolds. Oh, oh wait, I got to back up. That was a, that's not a completely true story for this reason. <laughs> 400 years, the Jesuits have told their followers, give me a child until it is seven and I will show you the man. Huh? What were they saying? 
For 400 years, they told everybody the truth. Give me the first seven years of programming and I will give you the man. Why should I give you the man? Because 95% of that person's life is coming from that program. So if I can get your first seven years, I own your life. And they've been telling that to people for 400 years. Now, the average person has no understanding of even why the hell they said it in the first place. They just re repeat it. Yeah, that, that's a saying. Yeah, I heard that. So I go, you don't understand that many people do understand. The people that control our lives understand this because they're the ones that know that if I program you, I own you. And when you see an infant walking around with an iPad, who <laughs> could hardly walk and carrying an iPad, now that's programming, folks. Uh, and this is, uh, this is the issue. If your life, yeah. I was Go just going to get into that because I'm like, when you're talking about, you know, give me the first seven years and I'll give you the man. And I think about marketing in the world we live in and society, like, and I wanted to kind of gear the conversation in this direction as well. Like, how do we change the world? Because I, I know you talk about this too. Like, you're very, very passionate about trying to create a different kind of world, which is just what, the same mission as Robin and I are on. Um, but like, how do we reprogram humanity or how do we reprogram <laughs> ourselves in a way that we can help inspire a shift for humanity? Like, I just want to kind of dive into that world because it's so fascinating yeah. and I want to hear your take on it. Okay. Well, let, let me give you something before you were born. There was a saying, before you go out and change the world, take care of your own backyard. Mm. That was a hippie thing. I go, <clears throat> what does it mean? How can I go out and change the world if my own life isn't working the way I want it to work? I'm just going to go out and contribute my ill-prepared programming to that world. It says, before you go out and say that world, you make sure that you are living in health and harmony and in love. Because if you are, then whatever you do in that outside world is <clears throat> driven by health, harmony, and love, okay? And more importantly, what's interesting is, I'll give you a personal example again. The stuff I'm talking about is based on my research as a scientist and a cell biologist and cloning stem cells 50 years ago, okay? And when I started to recognize, oh my God, we're creators and how this thing worked, I said, I, said, I gotta go tell people. And I get some people in a room together. I say, I'm gonna tell you a story now. I'm gonna tell you how to create the most wonderful life in this world. And then the audience would look and go, you know, Lipton, for a guy who says that, your life doesn't look that great. <laughs> and I almost said, almost, thank God I didn't, because that would have been the most embarrassing thing. I almost said, well, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and all of a sudden I realized. Parent everywhere. <laughs> and, and so the problem was, if I'm so smart about how to create this wonderful life, why was mine not wonderful? And that's because I didn't understand the translation of my conscious awareness into a subconscious program at that time. And I stopped teaching. I said, if I'm not doing this, then how can I teach this? And so I started, first thing was just like, cut my energy losses to the outside world and return them to me. Uh, okay, that's a little story unto itself. And I think that's where it's talking about, very simple and this. Energy is life. That's the fact, you got energy, you got life. You got no energy, you got no life. Okay, I go, so why is it relevant? I say, we waste energy so much in our lives that we're throwing away our energy. And I said, well, in, in retrospect, you're really throwing away your life because that energy was something you could have used to enhance and vitalize your life. I go, so here's the analogy very quickly, I hope. 
money is energy. It is. You got money, you got to do something. You got no money, you can't do anything. Okay. So I say, you got a, a checkbook and a bank account. I say, you do not go down the street writing checks willy-nilly for anything. Oh, Robin, you got such a beautiful hair. Let me write, here's $10 for you. Oh, Anne Therese, oh, you're so pretty. Here's $10 for you. And I go, how much of my life can I give away before there's no bank account in there and I got no money? Why I gave it away? Did you give me anything back? No. And all of a sudden I realized, wait, don't invest your money unless you get something in return. And I go, now take that story. Energy is the equivalent of money. I give you an energy checkbook. I say, before you do anything in your life, anything you're going to go do, you're going to write an energy check. I'm going to donate my energy to this cause. I go, uh, is it going to make any difference? Is it going to return back to you in any way? No. Uh, typical thing in this time of upheaval and craziness, like people politically polarized. So I say, yeah, they get into a bar and they're yelling, this guy and this guy and this guy, and they're fighting each other over politics. And then I say the bar closes and they both go home. Did anybody change anybody's life? No. Did they use a lot of energy? Oh, yeah. If they got heated, they surely used the energy. I say, then they just threw away all that energy. What did they get back? Nothing. Did they change anything? No. That's writing your checks and giving them away. Why? You wasted that. You could have been home making love. No, I'm fighting. I go, yeah, but you didn't get anything from this. So basically, you have to look at your life and go, before I put my effort into anything, does it have any exchange value? If I'm going to put my time and energy in this, do I get something back or is I'm just giving it away? And all of a sudden, you start to realize, like, guess what? You start to change your life very quickly. You start to realize... Why am I doing this? Oh, Bill, that's, we always do this socially. We always, I go, I don't care. Why? Because if I do this, I gave up my energy and I didn't get anything back. You just took away from my life. So the important lesson for all of us out there is you use energy. <clears throat> it is your life. And if you become consciously aware that spending your energy that doesn't return anything is a loss of life. All of a sudden, you start to realize, well, I don't want to do that anymore. And I don't want to do that. I remember the first, the first one was the simplest one, because as I came back after a lecture and I was in my office and I was thinking about this, uh, about this energy, and <clears throat> one of my colleagues came in and said, oh, yeah, Bruce, don't forget, Saturday night's a faculty party and you're going to bring what? And I stopped for a second and I thought, because socially, we all go to the faculty party. And all I could look at that moment was, what a boring Saturday night this is. What a waste of my Saturday night. Why? I'm going to stand around, hang out with people I don't really care about anyway, pretend talk, waste all this and come home. And I go, at that moment, I looked at him and said, oh, I can't make it tonight. I can't make it Saturday. I'm sorry. I have some important obligation, whatever. And he was looking at me like, you're not coming? I go, no, I can't. I got to do this. And then he left. And the moment he walked out the door, I could feel this just like bolt of energy. Like, I saved Saturday night, man. Saturday night's my night. I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to use the energy for me. I'm not going to go stand at a faculty party and pretend. And, and that was the first one. And it was so wonderful. 
immediately after he walked out and I could feel the surge of energy. The first thing that came to my mind, I said, what's next? <laughs> Why? I started to clear out. I'm not participating unless there's a return. Why? Because I could use that energy to benefit myself much better than to throw it into the wind. And if people understood this, if I gave them an energy checkbook, immediately they would start to what wise up and how they're using their life energy. How are you using it? Yeah, I think that this is a really, at least for me, it feels like a sort of new way to frame things because there's this feeling like as an activist that I would, it would be sort of altruistic to be giving away energy in a way or like to be selfless. Um, and I guess one of my questions is in terms of when you're, it, it sounds to me like it's an internal thing in terms of what it, what something gives to you. So it's like, if I decide to participate in a March, for example, I'm not, you know, like, so for example, if I'm going to go to a Black Lives Matter March, I don't necessarily frame it as I'm doing this because it directly benefits me, but I'm gaining something from it, from feeling that I'm supporting fellow humans in a it car. does benefit you in the long run yeah because less strife a world filled with strife is a problem if i can eliminate my neighbor's strife because my neighbor's going to treat me better than than they are right now so i can bring a community together ah community is keeping the energy in the group okay and the evolution is not the evolution of us physically changing the evolution we're facing it's the evolution of consciousness that basically says, uh, where are you using your consciousness? How are you using it? Who are you using it with? Do you have a support team? Uh, if you're in a community, that's like an energy bank. The community will help you. Dolphins, uh, when they're swimming, if one of the dolphins gets sick, the other community members buoy that dolphin up so they could breathe the air while they're going. It's a community. I'm sick. The other ones are going to help. Okay? That's cultivate that but but if it's just yes go ahead well i was just going to say in terms of like zooming out um you know it's like on the individual level you know i i hear the you know how to reprogram if we're zooming out and looking at the experiences that we're having we're looking out into the world and we're seeing a lot of change turmoil it looks like chaos can you tell us a little bit about what what you're seeing in terms of where are we in our humanity in the metamorphosis that we're undergoing? Yeah, because that's the cool part. Because <laughs> if you don't see the picture, it's a scary nightmare. Because what you see is everything falling apart. And I go, it is falling apart. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> I go, because the way human civilization has been running, it has precipitated its own mass extinction. And this extinction is not a thousand years from now. Human extinction is being faced within this century. Within another decade or two, there will be an entire collapse of the civilization that we're in. And I go, so why is that important? I say, because the civilization we're in, the behaviors, the beliefs, the way of life have traumatized the planet and causing uh, an extinction process that includes us. So it's like, well, then how you change? It's like, well, you don't change the planet. First, you have to change us <laughs> because we're the creators of that. So we're uh, on the edge. And I say, so why is it relevant? And you brought up metamorphosis. Very simple. A caterpillar is the most voracious of organisms. You put a caterpillar on a plant and come back, all the leaves will be eaten. That thing eats like crazy. When it reaches a certain size, the caterpillar stops moving, stops growing, wraps itself in a cocoon. I go, why? 
Well, it pushed it to the limit of it ate all the damn leaves. <laughs> now what? It can't live this way anymore. So what happens? It wraps itself in a cocoon. Then what happens? Out of this comes a butterfly with the lightest touch compared to the caterpillar with the heaviest touch. So the parallels are civilization's caterpillar right now. And it's destroying the environment, mass extinction, which we're experiencing. Okay. And I go, then what happened to the caterpillar? I say, a caterpillar is made out of millions of cells. Cells are like miniature people. We're made out of 50 trillion of them. We're not a single entity. We're a community of 50 trillion cells. Well, the caterpillar is a community of millions of cells. I go, what? let's go back to that caterpillar. When it was eating and voracious, hey, the digestive system was working. The muscles were working. The things was moving. It was doing all these functions. And then it says, no more. It wraps itself in a cocoon. I go, no more digestion. No, no more movement. I said, what about the cells that are doing digestion? What about the cells that are doing movement? I go, no job. Chaos. It starts to fall apart. The community of cells are now turning into, it's not working. There's no organization. It's not working. This thing is not working. And I say, within that community, there are called imaginal cells. Now, imaginal cells bring forth a message that says, there's a better way of living. It's called a butterfly. So why don't all you cells let go of this old one and let's reassemble into this new one? I go, absolutely. I say, in the middle of that cocoon, if you, if you cocoon, if you open it up, it'll be chaos. Cells all over the place, something coming down, something going up. I go, exactly. Civilization is in this moment of chaos. The conventional caterpillar version, which has destroyed the environment and causing the mass extinction, is falling apart. And as it's falling apart, jobs are being lost. Look what happened in COVID right here. I mean, the whole world's activities are changing completely. Why? Because the behavior we were using was killing us. So we need new behavior. So the old structure is falling down. I go, yeah. I said, if you hold on to that old structure, you're, waste, you're, you're very, very sad for yourself. Why? Well, that's a way of life and it's falling apart. I'm, I, you know, I'm scared to death. I go, that way of life is no longer working. And I say, let go of the one that's falling down. Don't put your effort into trying to fix it. Let it go down. Because as it's going down, a new one is coming up. If you're going to put energy involvement, then don't get involved in the one coming down. Get involved in the one going up. That's where success is going to come from. So the idea of fighting, oh, I'm just falling down. I'm going to fix it. And I go, no, let that baby fall. It wasn't sustainable. And this is why things that are not sustainable come to the top. The Me Too situation, not sustainable. You can't cover that up and move into the future successfully. It's got to, we got to deal with it. Black Lives Matter. You can't keep covering this up, man. You got to deal with it. We cannot move into the future with the rot underneath that we're not talking about. So things are coming down. The rot is being exposed. I go, yeah, and what is the consequence? Well, if you live in that world, you're going to live in fear. I go, no, yeah, but I saw that world's not sustainable. I want this world. I say, yeah, I, I'm hanging out with Aunt Teresa and Robin. Why? This is the world I want to go into. Not the one, I, the one behind, pff, let it crash. Because it wasn't working and we all would die with it. And so this is the wake-up call that says, well, then what are you going to do about it? I say, start following a new star. Start following a new pathway. Start listening to the imaginal cells. 
listen listen to this podcast with you too bringing new ideas into a world that says the old ideas are killing us there's a better way this way so you are imaginal cells whether you knew it or not because you're giving a message that's outside of the box the box is caving in on itself the sustainable stuff not in that box it's over here and if you focus over here you're just going to be so immersed in fear and, and all the scary things that are coming along with it. Or you can look over here and go, this is the future. This is health. This is love. This is harmony. This is how we get together and make community. And so people are given this decision at this very moment right now. Bemoan the one coming down or consider a new path on the way going up. You're in a cocoon. It's in chaos. I'm glad. Why? If the old one doesn't fall down, extinction is even that much sooner. <laughs> and you cannot build a sustainable world on this foundation because it's the foundation that is causing the problem. So the only way out is system breaks, foundation falls apart, but a new one is being built. What I'm getting and from our conversation and it's just kind of landing in me more and I kind of I know this but it's something that I need to keep reminding myself of because I'm like I, I'm someone who wants to create everything at once Robin can attest to this <laughs> it's like she's helping me slow down but I'm getting like we need to because I feel like as someone who's an activist and who's really frustrated with the world or angry or afraid or whatever it might be you feel about climate change and everything going on it's you, you feel like you want to do more and more and more like how can I give more how can I help more how can I do more to make a difference but in reality, we have to do less, right? It's like, we have to think less, we have to be more here, we have to yes. spend more time with the people we love, and we have to just kind of like, let that transformation happen, right? And then start like, being more conscious of what is the feeling I'm putting forth? What is the energy that I'm putting out? Where am I spending my energy? And what is the future that I wish to believe in? Because that is the one I'm manifesting by just being me today. Well, and that is the whole thing in a nutshell. But the only problem that people have is that's a, con for most people, that's a conscious, that's an intention. I want to be with you young women and go there and do it. I go, yeah, that's conscious. I go, yeah, that's 5% of the day for the average person. They'll listen to you and go, yeah, 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 that's great. And then five minutes later, it's like, okay, let's go back and uh, give me some more uh, cookies and candy. You know, it's like, no, you, you, you you're not engaging in it because it was a conscious awareness, but not necessarily a program. And so this is the issue. We have to transcend, just like me. <laughs> Lipton, your life doesn't look so good, but I knew all the answers. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't make any difference until I took those answers and put them into a program. Because we are a program. That's a fact. That's a fact of science. And when you understand it, then you can become the programmer rather than the one that has been programmed by other people. And you can create, you know, the amazing power we have and we doubt it because we're programmed to be powerless. Why? Because if I'm powerless, I'm going to depend on somebody else and I'm going to give them my money. I'm going to give them money to the health people. They're going to give me pharmaceutical drugs. I go, 
you make any drug in your mind that if a drug works from the pharmacy, it already means that you already have a natural drug to do that in the first place. <laughs> so rather than buying it, we exercise consciousness and our own mind will create the health. We gave up that power because that was what we learned as kids. When it comes to health, oh, you go to the doctor. Oh, what does that mean? The doctor's the one that knows and you don't. And all of a sudden you gave the doctor power because now the words of the doctor have more power over you because you gave up power by accepting that as a professional. And that's why a diagnosis and a prognosis is terrible because without them knowing their role, and they're going to say, well, you've got this problem and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen, and then you're going to die. And guess what? They just programmed you because they're the truth provider from our program. And if they say that's what it is, then my mind says, okay, I will make coherent that belief to my reality. And so some people got a terminal diagnosis, you're going to die in three months. Guess what? Oh my God, I'm going to go home and take care of my details because I'm going to die in three months. They believe it, they believe it, and then they die in three months. And yet another person gets a diagnosis, cancer, terminal, three months, and they go, Man, if I only got three months left, then I'm going to go out and enjoy myself. I'm going to let go of that bullshit job. I'm, going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to, if I only got a short time left, I'm going to enjoy it. Three months, four months, six months, a year, five years, they're still there. Why? Because the cancer they had came from the stress. <laughs> it didn't come from any genes. And they had a choice. Patient A, accept the stress. Holy crap, I'm going to die. I'm stressed and I'm going to die so stressed in three months versus, yeah, that's nice, but I don't want the stress. So I'm just going to go out and enjoy myself. Aha. Enjoying yourself, let go of the program. And all of a sudden the cancer disappears. That's called remission. Okay. And the fact is we are creating our health and we are the ones that can change it. It's a reflection back. If you have a dis, you know, a dis-ease, it means that you're not in harmony with yourself and this world. You're out of harmony, and your cells are now a population in disorder because you're not in harmony, and disorder is manifest as disease. Okay, and all of a sudden I said, look, I can walk across those damn hot coals. I'm powerful enough. And I walk across those coals. I get in the middle of the walk, and all of a sudden I say, I wonder if I could really do this. Boom. I just got burned. The moment I gave up the belief is the instant I'll get burned. I go, oh, my God. What does that mean? It says you were able to walk across because you believed you could walk across. But if you doubted you could walk across, then the reason for doubt manifests. And, and that's where, you know, where people have to recognize you're powerful enough to everybody can walk across those hot coals. I go, but you better have the consciousness. <laughs> to support you in doing that. It's sort of like flu season. Oh, flu season, it's time to get your shot. People like myself go, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for the flu. I'm a busy person. I'm not going to, I don't have time for it. It's not going to be in my life. I cannot do that. So I never get a flu shot, but I never get the flu. <laughs> so it's okay with me, right? Uh, uh, and, uh, and the fear uh, that we have, uh, just to, you know, to add this on, because it's so important before we close out, is that a fear response shuts off the immune system. Why? 
Well, a fear response is like running away from the life-threatening saber-toothed tiger. I go, yeah. And I go, you want all the energy you can muster up to run away from that tiger? I go, uh, what about the immune system? I say, it uses massive amount of energy. If you've ever been sick, you probably didn't even have the energy to get out of the bed. That's how much energy it uses. So I say, okay, I got a bacterial infection and I'm being chased by a tiger. How do I split the energy? I go, the hell with a bacterial infection. If the tiger gets you, the bacteria are not your problem anymore anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the point is what? I don't need to waste the energy on the immune system when I need the energy to run. So stress hormones shut down the immune system. I go, whoa. I go, absolutely. It's so powerful that doctors, when they transplant an organ from person A to person B, that's a foreign organ. Theoretically, not theoretically, realistically, if I put a foreign organ in your body, your immune system will reject it, not self, and eliminate it. Well, if I'm transplanting an organ, I don't want the recipient to reject it. They give the patient stress hormones before the operation. Why? Inhibits the immune system from rejecting the graft. So I go, oh, that's what stress hormones do. And I go, yeah. And I go, watch the news. Be afraid because everything is a stressor. I say, you can get more problems from COVID by watching the TV than than any other way. Why? The fear. I'm going to die. People are dying left and right. The hospitals are filled up. They're dying in the streets, man. I go, scared? Well, guess what? The moment you have fear is the moment you opened yourself up because you've just inhibited the immune system. And this is what we have to start going. Wait, I can't buy into that. I am so powerful. I can walk across the hot coals. A video that I show sometimes in lectures are uh, fundamentalists in the South in the United States work themselves up into religious ecstasy and speaking in tongues, strange stuff and all that. Some of them play with serpents that are poisonous, you know. Uh, Generally, when they get bit, no real problem. Although every now and then, one of them will die, okay? But the video I show, listen to this. They drink strychnine poison in toxic doses and have no adverse effect because they use it in what they call testify. Testify means you do something no normal person in their right mind would ever do, but you do it because you know God is going to protect you. So they drink the the strychnine with the absolute belief God's going to protect me. And they have no problem from drinking strychnine poison. It's like, I go, radical example, but a very realistic understanding that our mind is creating this. It's exactly what quantum physics says. It's exactly what epigenetics does. Epigenetics is the interface between the mind and the expression of this. Physics and biology are now in both agreement. Your consciousness is manifesting this experience. Are you happy with it? Good. You got some good programs. Struggling with it? It's not the problem from the outside giving you a problem. It's the problem from the inside manifesting as your problem. You're all so powerful. You're so powerful 
And yet everything we learned as children is, oh, no, you're, who do you think you are? You're not that smart. You're not that good. You're not that deserving, blah, 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 blah. And I go, and then we get to this adult stage with all this negative belief and it sabotages our lives. And, and we could go start the program over again now and say, well, if you're sabotaging your life, you can reprogram it. And then we start the whole thing all over again. <laughs> well, thank you for the, the really helpful tools. I mean, it's interesting because my husband and I are just starting to talk about really um, creating some new habits. So now I can see why we're gravitating towards that because that we're about to do some reprogramming. That, that is a beautiful part of a relationship versus your, you have a friend or somebody you don't even know who reports to you about your behavior not being that good. And you are immediately now separated from that person going, I don't like that person. They criticize me and blah, blah, blah. And I go, when that happens in a marriage, that breaks the honeymoon, it's gone, okay? And speaking from 22 years of understanding this was that when the bad programs did show up in a relationship and both partners knew that they were programs, then all of a sudden that defused the entire situation because it was an opportunity to say, well, maybe you didn't see what you just said or you didn't hear what you just said. And now it's not criticism. Now it's, a, it's like, oh, reflection. Okay, I think I can do something about it. But if it's somebody you really don't know and they give you the same criticism, like, you're criticizing me? <laughs> it's like, boom, gone. <laughs> I was going to say like a good relationship is when you can be with someone and they can hold a mirror up to you and you can take it. Oh, yeah. well, that's it. That's it. And if you can't take it, then it means you've got two choices. Either the relationship ends or you could reprogram it. Yeah. And I, that's where I learned. And that's what allowed me now to continue for all these decades of being in this state is like all those trigger things that used to bring up a bad response or been reprogrammed i don't have to think about it. it's not any work i don't get up and think okay today is today let's work on this it's like no it's already done it's automatic at this point <laughs> well bruce this has been amazing thank you do you have a few more minutes for us to do a rapid fire question we have five questions that we like to ask i have a few more minutes i don't know if i have any good answers for your questions <laughs> but i have a few more minutes yeah okay so um yeah, we've got just a few questions for you. So, so I'll start and then Andrews, you want to jump in with some of them too. Um, so Bruce, are you ready? Rapid fire. <gasps> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fill in the blank. I believe in a positive future because. Because I'm experiencing it and I had a life that didn't experience it. And I made a purposeful, purposeful transformation to now wake up every day and see this is a positive life. I wake up every day and I'm surrounded by beautiful, whatever it is. So yeah, I'm damn optimistic, but I don't have to do it, work on it as much because I now, that's my consciousness to anticipate this. Next. Sorry, sorry, I thought Robert was gonna go next. Uh, favorite quote. My favorite quote? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that scientifically, is the field is the sole governing agency of matter. I say that scientifically because I know that the field is consciousness and that a consciousness is governing my world. And I own that. And then not just owned it, as I said, first consciously, but then change it. So recognizing I'm generating a field. And if I'm generating a field, I'm going to generate one that gives me the love and, uh, and the beauty 
uh, of being, yeah, very quick point, uh, most people are programmed with a belief, well, if you have a really good life here, you do good, you could go to heaven. I go, what's heaven? Well, it's a creative thing. Everybody's got their own vision. Give it, you know, that's their vision. And I go, guess what? That's what we're doing here. <laughs> we're creating. <laughs> you came here to create heaven. I remember when I um, first recognized the existence of the field, spirit. Uh, in physics, the definition of field is invisible moving forces that influence the physical world. I go, oh, that's interesting because definition of spirit invisible moving forces that influence the physical world. So quantum physics and spirituality are coming together and say, yeah, that's an energy field, okay? Uh, and that this is creative, this energy field, okay? And, uh, and the idea is when I understood the nature of that, it was like, oh my God, if I wanna change matter, I don't change the matter, I change the field. The field changes the matter. And that's where the power of consciousness is. You are the field. And I love it because uh, the first thing I learned was I can't die. I go, what do you mean you can't die? I said, who am I? I said, well, Bruce. I go, no, no, that's a TV set. Bruce is a broadcast <laughs> that is picked up by the brain and played through this TV set. I go, well, what does that mean? I go, well, you're watching a show on your TV and it breaks. And we say the TV is dead. And I go, yep, it's not working anymore. That TV is dead. And I go, is the broadcast still there? Sure it is. Get another TV, plug it in, turn it on and tune it to the station. Boom, the show is back on. That's reincarnation. You can't die because this is a physical TV that's playing your broadcast. It gives you, uh, you know, I remember the first moment I said, oh, I'm not in here. I'm the broadcast that's playing through this. And then a scientific mind kicked in and immediately goes, well, then why have a body? Why not just be the spirit? And 50 trillion cells in my body welled up with the answer. Uh, uh, surprised to find out they were Jewish comedians. Uh, these 50 <laughs> trillion cells. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I asked them a question. Why have both a body and a spirit? Why not just be the spirit? And 50 trillion cells answered with a question. They asked me, Bruce, if you're just a spirit, what does chocolate taste like? Mm. <laughs> Good oh one. <laughs> this is a virtual reality suit. It sees, it smells, it tastes, it hears, it touches, it has feelings. I go, that's from the cells. And they convert those experiences into electromagnetic fields, energy that the brain is broadcasting. And I say broadcasting, yeah, because I said you put wires on your head, I could read your brain activity, EEG, electroencephalograph. Well, there's a new version called magnetoencephalograph, uses a probe, but guess what? Probe doesn't even touch you. I go, what does it read? Brain function. I go, well, what does that mean? I go, your thoughts are not contained in your head. They're broadcast back out because I can read them out here without touching you. And it's like, <gasps> and I go, yep, that's how the body is connecting back to the spirit. Spirit sends signals in, body sends signals, electromagnetics back. And so why do we have this? To create, to experience. I can have an intellectual discussion on love for my entire life, but not until I experience physically love can I really tell you what it was more about. Spirit can have all the intellectual talking at once. 
body can translate the chemistry into love and I can experience it that way. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, we came here to create. What are we creating? Heaven. Then why does it look like hell? Because you're not creating from your program only 5%. 95% you're creating somebody else's hell. And that, that's what I learned. How's that for a short answer? For the <laughs> you're not really good at this. Really quote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'll jump right into the next one. Oh, oh I was going to say for anybody who's listening and not watching the video on, on YouTube, you know, Bruce was holding his hand about a foot away from his head, reading, you know, the, the brainwave. So in terms of like how our energy is expanded outside of us, you know, it's at least a foot says Bruce's hand. Away. Oh, at least. Yeah. There, there's a <laughs> the probe does not have to touch you to read your mind. Your mind is like a tuning fork and you're broadcasting a vibration that is you. And what's interesting is this the more tuning forks that share the same vibration, the more manifestation in the world we experience. If I, if I want peace and love and I go out in the street right now, my little tuning fork is going to go, peace and love, peace and love. And if nobody else is down the street, then I'm not changing a damn thing. <laughs> Why? Because it takes lots of tuning forks to make an amplified version of it. The more individual sharing of consciousness, the more the manifestation of that consciousness, be it peace or war. You have to have enough people share that vibration, broadcasting it out in the field. And that's what our brain does. Yeah. And that's why working on yourself is so important because it's like you're tuning your fork. I love You are doing that. Yeah. Um, Okay. If you could instill one change in the world right now, what would it be? Uh, Self-empowerment. To let people know that this is not an accident, you're involved. And if you take your power back, then I trust you more than I trust the government and the corporations, because all they want to do is take from me. But people want to be in community, people want to be in love, people want to share a world like that. So the average people, if they just knew how powerful they were, heaven on earth is then, look, a honeymoon is heaven on earth. But most people honeymoons are very short. But what if everybody had a honeymoon the rest of their lives? Heaven on earth is a reality. Beautiful world. Oh, love that. Okay. What is, that was kind of the same thing, but what's the message you want people to hear? What's the, what something should do? <laughs> okay. If you were to like take all your wisdom, all your amazingness and put it yeah. into like this one message that you want people to hear. If everyone were to get broadcast into your radio station and hear this one message. The one message is this, you are a creator and your consciousness is the source of that creation. If the creation is not manifesting what you want, you are powerful enough to change it. And therefore we don't have to be victims in this world because creators do not have to be a victim. That's just a program of a creator. Change the program and create love, health, harmony, peace. And then the garden of Eden will return. We have to remember a very important fact. A garden is not a battleground. We took a garden And we have destroyed it to the extent that we're going extinct. And if we want the garden to come back, then we have to go back and recognize uh, a garden is the example of the highest uh, community formation. A garden is a community. And that we are going to have to learn how to live in this garden that we once had and return it back. And that's what uh, we're being faced with at this moment in regard to mass extinction. Yes, that's beautiful. Okay, Bruce, last question for you. Are you ready? 
Am I getting a hundred so far? I just want to know because I want to pass the test. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Last question for you today is what does being an optimist in action mean to you? It means that I'm going to live the best, highest possible life I can fulfilled with love and harmony and joy. And that's not just optimism. That is my destination. And by expressing that, it's contagious. When people are in love, other people can feel that they're in love. And, uh, and the more people whose tuning forks are in a love vibration, the faster this whole world will turn around, go into total remission, and the garden will return. Thank you so much, Bruce. This has been awesome. So awesome. Thank you. I want to thank you both for letting me have this opportunity to talk to your community because it's community that's going to, to bring us into wholeness and health and love and harmony. And uh, as I said, you are imaginal cells redirecting those, those cells that are looking at the thing falling down and giving them a better vision of what we could build. Thank you for that. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Hey Change podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please share this episode with friends, family, or someone in your network. Also, don't forget to give it five stars in the app so that we can reach more listeners just like you. We love hearing from our listeners, so please tag us when you share this episode on social media. We'd love to connect with you and learn about what you are doing too. You can find where to reach us in the show notes. Before you go, we'd like to invite you to pause and to think about this one final question. What does being an optimist in action mean to you?